When the ground beneath my feet is shaking like a leaf, God, you're still good to me. When my hope is all but gone and I'm barely hanging on, God, you're still good to me. When my heart can't find a beat, when it's dark and I can't see, I will put my hope in you. Morning, church. Would you please rise for our first song? Years of spinning vanity and pride, caring not, my Lord was crucified. Knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary By God's word at last I sin I learned Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned Till my guilty soul imploring learned to Calvary There your mercy and your grace runs free. There your comfort multiplied to me. There my burdened soul. 
Good morning. I'm just logging in. We're going we're gonna to listen to God's word. God's word is powerful. God's word is life-changing. God's word kind of puts things into perspective. And as we start a new series entitled Fact Check, there is no greater place for us to find our source of truth than from God's word itself. The world wants to tell you what truth is, but really the only truth that we have, the absolute truth, is the one from the Word of God. So let me share with you from 2 Timothy chapter 3. But don't let it faze you. Stick with what you learned and believed, sure of the integrity of your teachers, why you took in the sacred scriptures with your mother's milk. There's nothing like the written Word of God for showing you the way to salvation 
through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful for one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the Word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. This is God's Word for us. Let's now profess our faith as we use the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. As we move forward in worship, please, let's uh, bow our heads and go to God in prayer. Great and gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this morning. And Lord, we know that as your people, we fail sometimes. And Lord, we know that you're here with us. And for that, we thank you. And we're so grateful for the fact that you've given us the promise that wherever two or more of us are gathered, you'll be with us. And Lord, we, we are so grateful for that. Lord, this morning, we ask that you bless the worship service we're in, the music that we're playing, the songs, and our fellowship time together. And Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. What a beautiful name. 
Boys and girls, come on up for the message. Come on up. We have any boys and girls? Yeah, come on up. Nice and close here. Have a seat on the floor. Yeah. All right. You know what? We are starting a new series this morning called Fact Check because we want to know what's real and what's fake. Or, come on up, what's real and what's cake, right? Did you know there's a TV show called Is It Cake? You do that? Have you ever seen it? Yeah, where the contestants bake a cake to look like a common everyday object, and they try to trick the judges into thinking it's real, and they have to decide is it real or cake. And I thought it'd be fun to play Is It Real or Cake this morning. What do you think? Yeah? All right. So I've got a video that we're going to see in just a minute. And in this video, it'll show an object, and it goes through them pretty quick. So as soon as you see the object, you shout out if you think it's real or cake, all right? And we will see if it's real or cake. Are you guys ready to play? You want to play? All right, let's watch this video and see if it's real or cake. All right, let's see. Real or cake? That, we're not talking about the trees. Those aren't real or cake. All right. Do we have the video? Is it real or cake? Maybe not. Well, you said you've seen the show, right? So you know in this show, they, they, they look at the object, and they look real. But they're often cake. And do you know how they find out whether it's real or cake? Do you remember? Yeah. What did they, can't really, can't remember, that's all right, yeah, do you, either of you guys know, they cut it, yeah, they take a knife and they cut it open to see if it's real or cake, well, you know what, we want to know in life if stuff is real or cake or real or fake, right, but we don't walk around with a knife cutting everything, do we? No, we've got some, as followers of Jesus, we have something else. We have the Bible, right? And the Bible tells us what's real and what's fake. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So here we see the Bible, the Bible shows us what's real, right? So it's kind of like a knife that cuts through to show us if something's real or fake. Pretty cool, isn't it? That we have this Bible, this gift from God, his word to teach us what's real and what's fake. And we get to open it, we get to read and find out, all right? So that's pretty good news, isn't it, that we have this gift from God that we get to open and read to know in this life what is truly real about God and life. All right, will you pray with me? We'll fold our hands, and you can repeat after me. Father God, thank you for giving us your word. The Bible gives us all we need to know what is real about you and our life. 
Amen. All right, boys and girls, thanks for coming up. All right. And as they head back, you bigger kids, <laughs> just want to let you know that we have an online Bible reading group, and we just started a new Bible reading plan for 2024. So now is a perfect time to jump in and read along with us. You can read any time of the day or night, whatever fits into your schedule. You can find that on the Church Center app or stop and see me at Next Steps afterwards, and I will help you get connected to it. All right. And again, I'd like to welcome all of you as we worship this Lord who has done everything for us. Very special welcome to our guests. Uh, delighted that you're here, and we invite you to come on back. But before you leave, we'd love to get to know you some way, somehow. You could actually text 1C guest to 94000. That'll start the process. You can stop at Next Steps. You can catch one of us after the service. I'd like to meet you and greet you. Now, during this service, there might be a couple things that would be helpful if you're new and or forgetful, all right? Example, we're going to be having a time of prayer, and in that time of prayer, if you want to submit some prayer requests, you can actually do that. You could text them to 402-242-5051, and they'll be included in our time of worship today. So just make sure you do that soon. Also, we're going to have Holy Communion here at 1C. We believe it is a a wonderful gift God has given. It is bread and wine and body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. And if this is your belief, we in invite you, in fact, encourage you to celebrate that with us. All right, a couple other quick announcements. Let me go through it. Um, 15th anniversary. And remember, it's January 11th, but we're going to celebrate next Sunday and get together, and we're going to reminisce a little bit of what God has done over the last 15 years. And then... Ask God's blessing on the next year or 15 or as many years until the Lord comes again. So, love for you to come and be a part of that. Uh, just a reminder, we've sent out a couple things. Uh, we're uh, encouraging people to give a thank offering to God for what he's done. And just so you know, we're going to be using that for a couple different things. One of the things will be for these uh, lights that are on the inside. If you've ever been in here uh, for an event, when we put on the house lights, they really don't um, do much. So we'd like to address that. And so if you are so moved and so thankful, we'd love for you to do that as well. New Disciple Launch, January 28th. Uh, it is a, a, a class, but it's really a time just to get to know what we believe as a church, what you could expect of us as your church, and then our hopes for you as a disciple and follower of Jesus. So let the church office know if you're going to come. We'd love for you to come. And even if you've been here for a while and would like a reminder and a refresher, you can come as well. Uh, people in prayer. This is something that's going to be new between the services from about 10.15 to 10.45. And we're going to meet over in this area. And it's going to be just a time of quiet. All right. There may be some music in the background. But if you have a prayer request and you want to come in into that area, um, I'll pray for you or with you. If you want to just do lead a prayer, you can do that. I'll share some scriptures to remind us of the faithfulness of God, and that begins today. So if you want to hang around afterward, make your way over there. Um, again, I would love 2024 to be a t time and a place where we use that gift of prayer more than we've ever done before. All right? Um, also, Christmas decoration teardown. That sounds like such a fun event. How many of you are done at home? Just looking around, some of you, some of you still are doing that. Well, we're going to do that today here. 
And if you are so inclined and would love to come back, uh, come back right around noon. We will start taking things down and um, removing them from the worship center. So I'd like for you to be a part of that and help. Uh, last thing, too, is we're going to be uh, passing what's called joy baskets. Now, why do we do this? It's because all of us have been blessed, and God wants us to say thank you. And here at 1C, we don't tell you how to say thank you, but there's many ways to do it. You, you've sung a song. That's one way to say thank you. You prayed prayers. You could serve, like helping putting decorations away. Uh, but also in the giving of your tithes and offerings. It's just another beautiful way to say, you know, Jesus, thank you for all that you've done for me. So that's going to happen in just a little bit. Uh, but we want everything we do in worship and in our life to ultimately give God the honor and praise for who he is and what he's done. So that's it for announcements. May God continue to be with us as we worship.
What a beautiful song. Very expressive. Uh, that one phrase, day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Uh, throughout time in the Christian church, the use of incense was a beautiful description and symbol of lifting our prayers up to God. Because we know he listens. We know he cares. We know he responds. He is that faithful. And one of the ways in which he responds in a profound way is, is Holy Communion. It is God's gift for people like you and me who are broken, beaten, sinful, and lost. And those are probably the best descriptors for people like us. But he steps into our world and says, I've got an answer and I've got, I've got mercy and grace and forgiveness. So we're going to experience that. But before we do, I'd like to uh, encourage you to join me in praying a prayer of confession. And that just really means getting honest with God about our condition and need for what he can provide. Let's pray together. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name, amen. And the good news of Christmas is Christ was born for you and for me. But as we watch his life unfold, he grew up, lived a perfect life, and then ultimately made a decision to allow himself to be put on a cross to pay for sins, your sin and my sin. And then on that third day, he rose again from the dead, and his victory means our victory. And so this meal is really a victory celebration that we get to taste and have until we get to heaven. With that in mind, our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. We continue now with the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Sudden, I am unaware of these 
afflictions eclipsed by glory and I've realized just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me and oh how he loves us so
on Saturday, I, I had an opportunity to meet with the family because uh, one of their young persons wanted to take communion. So I'll meet with families and I'll talk about what it is and who it's for and what does it all mean. And, and then at the end, I just encouraged them. I said, you know, pray about this as a family. Is this the right time? And I'm going to tell you, every time this happens, when they come up and they're coming and they're for the first time and they're putting their hands out like this, and I put the body of Christ in their hands, I'm telling you, I'm moved. Sometimes to tears. Sometimes not, but I'm moved. Because that message of what we just sung, oh, how he loves us, becomes real for that youngster, right? And for all of us. So I pray that this body and blood of Jesus would strengthen you and empower you for life, for mission, for ministry, all for the glory of God. Go in his name and in his love. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we lift up a prayer of surrender to start this new year. I will go where you want me to go. I will pause when you want me to pause. I will pray the dangerous prayers of change. Yes, Lord, I will say yes to your invitations that make no sense. I will just because you asked me to. We offer up these prayer requests to you. Prayers for my dear friend Cindy as she continues going through her immunotherapy, that she stays strong and that she has complete healing. Prayers for those who have been sick and for those that are suffering the lingering effects of COVID. Prayers for my son to fight through his depression and find a job. Prayers for the friends and family of Wade who passed away suddenly at the age of 33 due to an aneurysm. Give them strength to make it through. Lord, we thank you that we have hope. We have hope because we have a Savior, a Savior for our every hurt, our every flaw, our every need. Between where we are and where we hope to be, our Savior steps right in and declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life. May this be illuminated in our lives throughout this new year of 2024. Please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I think it was about 25 years ago, give or take. And uh, we had a, an Australian shepherd. Anybody have one or know? I mean, they're beautiful dogs. Oh, my goodness. And the herding instinct that they had, because, again, they were used to kind of get sheep together, was so strong. Oh, my goodness. And when you have a whole bunch of kids and an Australian shepherd, they kind of picture that those kids are kind of like sheep, so they want to kind of herd them. 
Um, and if somebody comes on the property that maybe they don't think should be there, they have this instinct of coming and just nipping at like the, the pants legs or the socks or even skin. Well, our dog, Cody, um, ended up having a record with the police department in Hales Corners, Wisconsin. Yep, I'm not sure if the picture was in the post office or not, but Cody was in trouble. And so we were told if it happens again, I don't know, $5,000 or whatever it was, and I'm sitting down with the kid saying, you just can't let, you can't let Cody out like that. We just can't do it. Because if it happens again, we're probably going to have to, you know, get rid of him, have it go somewhere else. Well, my oldest son at the time, very, very connected with Cody, starts crying. You know, he's doing the thing that just tugs the dad's heart. And so he, um, he says, is there anything we can do? And I, I had seen about the electric fences, you know, those things, right? And they're all different now probably over the 25 years. But this one is one where you uh, bury a wire around the perimeter of your, your uh, yard. And so I took time and I said, all right, if you want, if you want to keep Cody, um, you're going to have to pay for part of this electric fence and help me install it. I thought it was one of those teaching moments as a parent, right? So we did it. We trenched and put it all the way around, and it's all set and ready to go. And he goes in. I don't know what he's going to do, but I'm out there, and I'm thinking, how do I know if it works? Oh. Wait a minute. You think I'm that stupid? <laughs> yes. All right? So it's one of those where you get the, like, the collar, you put it on, and you just dial it whichever way. So I didn't put the collar on, Scott, I promise. But I did hold it up to my neck and watched, uh, walked over towards the line to fact check, right? Is this going to work? And I got close enough that literally, I mean, I felt like my feet went off the ground a little bit. That's not the way to fact check, I'm going to tell you. There's different ways of doing it. In fact, back in the, um, we'll just say 1970s and before, uh, maybe in the 80s formally, but before the internet, what would people do if they wanted to fact check? Say it louder. Encyclopedias. How many of you still have an encyclopedia set? All right, God bless you. The Smithsonian Institute would like to talk to you because they're looking for those historical things. My father-in-law was the master of it. We, we would be sitting around talking about something, and he would want to fact check it. So he'd go get it, and he was a very slow and meticulous man. And he would take his time to look it up. And, at, you know, usually it's a Sunday when I want to watch the Packers, you know, but he's wanting to find out the meaning of something. And so he does that, and all the family sits there and waits, and that's kind of how it was back then. Well, today, what do we have? Yeah, you have the internet. You can go on here. You can get news. You can Google. Um, and the new thing that I'm kind of reading about and playing with a little bit is artificial intelligence, the AI world. And there's so much out there, right? So much out there. So I thought it would be really good for us as we get into 2024, as we start turning the corner into a brand new year with brand new opportunities, brand new possibilities, and also the fact that we're 
in an election year. We're going to hear a lot of information. So it's really good for people like you and me to be able to have a source that we can trust in. A source that is absolutely true, as we heard in 2 Timothy. And it's the Bible. And I'm hoping for you and me, 2024 is a year that we are more dependent on the Word of God than ever before. More dependent. In fact, I'm going to share a scripture with you, the whole idea of abiding in my Word. We're going to hear that near the end. That you and me would abide in the Word of God more than we've ever done before. So, we're going to take that journey. Now, um, let me just share with you Hebrews 11. This is going to be the basis for fact check. We're going to look at some of the individuals throughout the course of history, Old Testament in particular, that, you know, they, they were faithful. They were faithful to God. They were faithful in what they do, did and who they trusted in. So let's, let me just read Hebrews 11, 1 to 2. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Next slide, yep. For by it the people of the old received their condemnation, commendation. Boy. Now let me go to the message, because I think it says it a little bit different, and I, I sometimes go to that just to see what they have to say. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. So here's the list that follows. And I'm just going to quickly read it. Uh, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. I mean, there's the list. A whole bunch of people who, well, they, they were listed for the faithful things that they had done, but also for the faithfulness to the person, the one true God. And back at the time, they had other choices to get their facts from. But these individuals trusted in God. Isn't that powerful? And we can go from the Old Testament even into the New Testament. We can go to, you know, yeah, we had the beginning of the birth of Christ, right? We looked at that just a couple weeks ago. But now we go towards the end of it, and we find in John 18, Jesus is interacting some, with somebody named Pilate. Now remember, in this dialogue, Pilate is a representative of Rome. Understand, Rome at the time was polytheistic, which means there were a whole bunch of gods that they could seek and look at and get guidance from. And so knowing that, when Pilate asks a question at the end, you'll maybe understand why it's perplexing. So uh, John 18, 37, 38, then Pilate said to Jesus, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And I will say commentators, as they look at that question of Pilate, we don't know if he was either being sincere or sarcastic. We don't know. We hope it would be sincere, like he really wants to know what truth is, or maybe he is like the rest of the world, sarcastic about the claims of Jesus and the claims of God himself. 
what is truth? Why is this an important question for Pilate to ask, but I'm going to say for you and me today, for us to sit here now to say, okay, God, I want to know the truth. What is truth? And be ready for him to teach and to lead and to guide. Well, I um, came across a little quote that's a little different than the one you've heard me say before. This one says, what you believe determines how you behave. You've heard me say it before over the years. You know, what we believe about God will dramatically affect how we live. This is just another way of being very succinct and saying, what you believe determines how you behave. I'll give you an example, and I'm going to tell you, this does not make me father of the year, so please know this. We're sitting around the table. Remember, I was a pastor. Holy pastor, right? I'm going to always do things right. Not really. And I was a pastor of a church that had a school, and my children went to school. And so once in a while... Not a lot, but a couple times, and the kids, I asked them if they remember this, and they do. We'd sit around the dining room table, and I would coyly say something like this. Talk to uh, one of your teachers today, and I just want you to, to know that it's better if you tell me than I have to say what they said. And you could see the sweat forming around the table. And I would get confessions that I had no idea of. And then I would tell them, okay, I didn't talk. And I admitted that I was playing with them a little bit. Um, but they really believed that I talked to the teacher. They really believed I knew that they had a food fight and that they were the one that started the food fight in lunch. And so their behavior, they just kind of had to tell, right? What you believe determines how you behave. Now, we have influences for our attention, for what we believe. And we're going to get to the Jesus part, and, you know, it's a powerful story. It's what's changed our lives. But you got to know in the other corner, it's like a boxing metaphor, you got this guy named Satan. In fact, the Bible paints a picture. Let's, let's take a look at John chapter 8. It says, he, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So if, and we're going to get to this, Jesus is the truth. The enemy, the devil, Satan himself, is a liar. That's maybe one of the best descriptors we can have for him. That's it. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. And it affects the people and the world. And it's been that way since when? Remember? Adam and Eve. Thank you very much. Adam and Eve. He was there spinning a little bit of a lie and getting them to eat from the tree that God told them not to eat from. I mean, he's been doing that from the beginning. He's going to do it to the end because he would like to populate hell and depopulate heaven. And God's desire is that it goes the other way around, that heaven is populated. But here's what happens. Uh, Romans chapter 8. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Claiming to be wise, they become fools because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creator 
rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So picture, if you would, we have the God of the universe addressing sin and humanity in a very personal way, loving the world in a, in a, oh my goodness, a beautiful way. And then on the other side, we have the enemy. And I'm going to tell you, I find that the enemy does not come with a pitchfork and horns. That would scare you. I mean, maybe, right? But it would. But he uses two techniques that I have seen especially unfold over time in my life. And they're ones that have affected my family. All right? It even affects me. I'm tempted to go into these worlds. So let me, let me share the two, two tactics, maybe attitudes or responses the enemy wants us to do. The first one is relativism. Assumption that there is no such thing as absolute truth. And I started seeing this when I went from Milwaukee Lutheran High School, right, remember? Um, I went there not because it was a Christian school, it was because it was an alternative and my parents wanted to keep me alive, right? That was their view. I went from there to the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. And I'm going to tell you, it's there that I started bumping into this idea of whatever truth you want, it's good for you. No problem. You want to believe that the, the sky is green and the grass is blue? All right. Your truth is your truth. You see where that could be a problem. And if you don't, just look at the news. Watch what's going on. It's happening. And then the, the other one is subjectivism. I, the subject, have the right to determine what is right and wrong without submitting my judgment to any authority outside myself. Oh, my goodness. I run into this, I'll just say in my office, it do, I don't have to go very far, it happens. And I think the enemy is just constantly kind of pushing and pulling and prodding and poking and wanting people like even us to start going down this path. And I'm just going to say it without, I, I don't want to get in your face today, but I do. I'm going to tell you the Ten Commandments are the Ten Commandments. Got it? I remember 30 years ago, somebody gave me a little placard that said the Ten Commandments are not suggestions. But we live in a world that wants to treat the Ten Commandments like, well, you know, that was kind of back then. Today is today. It's a lot different today when it comes to morality or marriage or life or all these things that the Bible talks about, the commandments address because God cares for his people. They're not suggestions. And yet, the enemy just kind of gets in there and says, well, you know, whatever truth you want to pick apart in there, you can, and then just throw the rest away. That's the way the world is going. That's what happens often in a subtle way in movies, TV series. We're just bombarded by it. Please, no, this is the reality that will be like this until Jesus comes again. So we need to know, and the next slide, what is truth? 
what is truth? And as we're going to find in Hebrews 11, as we walk through, and we're going to look just at a couple of the characters we find in Hebrews 11, truth is not just a what, but it's a who. You cannot pull it apart. So when we look at the list in Hebrews 11 of Old Testament characters, you can look at the what, and you can look at the stories like, oh my goodness, Moses, look at what he did. Look at what he did. No, it's who did he believe in? Because remember, what you believe will affect how you behave. What you believe will affect how you behave. All right. Now, this is the Jesus part. This is really, this is the best part, I'm going to tell you. This nails it. This gets it right in front of us. This is going to send us out the doors. It's going to give us a perspective if you hold on to it. So, example, John 14. I often use this scripture at a funeral or a celebration of life because I love the way that Jesus just really nails it. He just brings it home and he just says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Does he have to get any more clearer than that? He doesn't say, I am one of the ways and one of the truths and one way of life. He doesn't do that. He just says, I am. And remember that phrase, I am, is actually an Old Testament name for God. So Jesus, every time he uses those two words together, he's saying, hey, folks, I'm God, and this is the truth. I am the way and the truth and the life. Or how about John, uh, John chapter 1? Let's go back now to E. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Isn't that, isn't that cool? In the beginning was the word. Now, I would like to show you another version of John chapter 1. So if I can have that up there. All right. In the beginning was a word, and a word was with God, and a word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and a word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the, of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. What do you see is the difference between those two versions. It's so subtle. Anybody get it? Say it really loud because my hearing. Yeah, A. There is a, a religion out there, I'll just say, that just takes that passage from John chapter 1 and changes one word. I mean, some other words, but one word that ultimately changes who Jesus is. Instead of, instead of saying, in the beginning was the word, and that's in Greek is the definite article. It's like the one and only. You can't have more than one. That's what it means. And they change and say, he's a word. In other words, he's one of the ways of truth. He's one of the ways of life. He's... And they subtly do it, and all of a sudden you start sliding into that and start believing that it doesn't matter what you believe just so you believe. But it really does matter. All right, the word, grace and truth. And I wish I could, well, I could do a whole sermon on just these words, 
all right? But I'm going to give it to you really quick. You have to have both. So when you have Jesus, you get both. But too often, I'll just say in the church and with Christians like us, we pick and choose which one we want to use. When they've done studies with people that are outside of the church and they say, well, what do you think about the Christian church? And what do you think about Christians? Sometimes people, a lot of people will say they're so judgmental. They got their finger out and they're kind of pointing and they're telling them the truth and saying you're going to burn in hell because you are like this. And there's no grace. And then on the other side, there are times when people just talk about all grace. Oh, God is loving. It doesn't really matter what you do. It's okay. But when you put them both together, it starts shaping your life. And Jesus embodied grace and truth. That's who he was. That's who he is. It's who he wants to be in us as Christians, but also us as a church. A place that is full of grace and truth. A place that will not compromise on grace and truth. With everybody. People that are different than us. Maybe the unlovelies. Maybe people that just get underneath our skin. And we're so tempted to give them the truth. But maybe, just maybe, God is saying, brothers and sisters, when Christ is in you, his grace and truth is there, and you get to share that grace and truth with people. And they desperately need that. I'm going to share uh, one more scripture verse from John chapter 8. I alluded to that in the very beginning. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I think about that word abide. Um, sometimes I, I, I define that word myself. Abide means spend the least amount of time that you have to with Jesus and hopefully it'll be good enough. You know what I'm getting at? There are times that we just want the minimum, not the maximum. There's times when we think that, okay, maybe, you know, an hour with God on a Sunday morning, that's really kind of good. And that is good. I'm going to tell you, yes, abide with him. When you come to church and we do the sacred 60, I don't know how long it's going to be. It's 1004. It's going to be a sacred 65 or 70. It's more than that. Abiding with him means dwelling with him and him with you. And there is this connectedness that goes beyond the four walls of a church and into your home and into your workplace, into your school, wherever you are. That's what abiding means. So my challenge for you for 2024, abide with Jesus more than you've ever done before. Does that mean you have to go to two church services on a Sunday morning? If that's how you want to do it, that's okay. But I think it's everything from what Greg was mentioning about the Bible reading plan. And just daily getting into the word and digging into it and listening to it, letting it shape your thinking because it's the truth. 
Maybe it's joining one of the Bible studies that we have going here at 1C. Maybe it's you finding a couple other people that say, you know what, I'm not always the most disciplined person. I need accountability. I want, could you, could you do this with me? Because abiding with Jesus is really important. So that's my challenge. Now, always end on good news, right? It's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has done. He chose to abide with you in a babe of Bethlehem as a grown human being who chose to go on a cross, suffer and die, and rise again. And yet we're told, Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. May that give you encouragement as we go into 2024. Uh, may it give you a sense of confidence because who knows what the world is. I mean, sometimes I talk to people that tell me, oh my goodness, this, at six months or the third quarter, there's going to be all this stuff. Okay. But Jesus is the same. All right, let's stand. I want to share with you the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
Try to make them all think I'm strong. Yeah, the face I keep pulling on says I ain't tired. But these tears stained eyes ain't lying. Cause hard, nobody told me life could be so hard. A weary soul with a worn out heart that's barely beating. But every time I get that feeling, I hit my knees with my hands held high, saying, Dear Lord Jesus, you me so there's a place you can always go when you got nothing and then he handed me the one thing that's strong doesn't matter how old it gets there's power in the words and red in this old bible and when i'm desperate for